The NBA has been cancelled. The cricket players are coming home and playing in empty stadiums. You cannot go to school in Canada. Flying from Europe to the United States has been banned. The Pacifica Festival didn't happen. But do not worry. The Stock Market Movers podcast continues on. It is Sunday today, not Friday or Saturday, and not related to the coronavirus, so I just had a really busy Saturday. So it's Sunday, the 15th of March, 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 76 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. So 2019 was a great year for the stock market, wasn't it? The S&P 500 appreciated 28% in the year. Well, in less than a month from the end of February, the market has given all that back and then some. So 2019 seems like an age ago. So what a week it was as well. I think this is going to be the third coronavirus episode that I have done in a row. Um, and the way things are going will probably not be the last. So let me start by saying this is, I feel like this is quite a unique situation. Um, you wonder if it's something that we look back on and say, maybe this is a black swan event. Um, I, I think back on my time investing, you know, I started just before the financial crisis. I cannot think of anything this significant that is happening in the financial market since that time. And nothing has rocked the boat in, in this way, at least anyway. I mean, and since the financial crisis, you can think of the European debt situation in early 2010 and the flash crashes that occurred after that. You know, the Chinese stock market crash in 2015, the following sell-off related to oil prices and interest rates in 2016. Then the end of 2018, again, it was the interest rate thing, but nothing really like this. And just putting a, a quick ruler on the chart, you can see that the S&P 500 has fallen from a high point to low point, um, it's bounced back a little bit since then. Something like 27% since the 20th of February. The, the speed is astonishing, it's, but that could be just the shutdown of the economy, which has been astonishing as well. It, there is a difference in time here. You know, back in 2007, 8, 9, it was like death by a thousand cuts. It took place over something like eight months, whereas this literally feels like skydiving, you know, we just jumped off the cliff. Um, from a psychology perspective, I personally find this easier to deal with. Um, <laughs> from a psychology perspective, you wouldn't be finding it easy to deal with if you were trading on margin. Um, that would be rather stressful indeed. In fact, you probably not even listen to this podcast because you lost all your money. Um, anyway, and you know, let's face it: if if you're any sort of long biased investor, by that I mean a buyer of stocks as opposed to a short seller of stocks, you, you've your portfolio's down a lot in the last little while. We can't hide that. Um, maybe I'm just more of a experienced investor now but I sort of found the financial crisis that that was proper scary um just in how drawn out it was and that is obviously the million billion or trillion dollar question at the moment is how drawn out is this going to be and my my opinion um is that if it's drawn out for a long period of time then the impact on the economy could be and is quite severe so let's let's take a look back on the week that was with the coronavirus, I'll just start by saying, and I think the the most amusing thing out of all this, um, and you know, there's not too much amusing about it, but it's the supermarkets that come out and say, don't hoard food, don't hoard supplies, we've got it under control. Man, if I owned a supermarket, I wouldn't be saying that. I'd be loving all the hoarding that's going on right now, all the people that come in and are just stocking up on unnecessary stuff. It would, it would just be, it would be awesome. And if they really wanted to stop it, you know, the way that would you would stop hoarding of toilet paper or at least reduce it, it would say, you know, if, if you bought one roll of, one one box of, of, of 20 pack of toilet paper or however they come, um, it costs $5 or whatever it costs. But if you buy 
five or more packs, suddenly the unit cost goes up to $8 per unit. You know, A, the supermarkets will make a lot better margin, and B, it would probably put some perspective in, in some of the silly behaviour that's going on. Because obviously there's a lot happening at the moment. Not all, I mean, you can't say all of it is rational when you consider that sales of the Corona beer have dropped just because of that. But there's a lot of serious stuff happening as well, so let's look back on the last week. So Monday the 8th of March 2020, Italy placed more than 16 million people under quarantine. Um, they also closed schools, gyms, museums, nightclubs and other venues. Imagine that, 16 million people, you know, three and a half times or whatever more than the New Zealand population. Imagine the impact on the economy for that. Imagine owning the gym, for example, and being closed down. The flow-on effects for the economy for this happening at a massive scale are huge. You know, I'm, 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 I know I'm ignoring the health impacts here, guys, but this is an investing podcast, so we're focusing on that. So imagine if you were a gym owner, you know, look, think about the flow-on effects. You, you have to close, so your revenue stops. So your staff may not be getting paid or your staff, you know, there's, there's issues there. Um, but your bills do not, you know, your landlord doesn't get paid maybe, so there's issues, there's, there's flow-on effects of that. So maybe you normally take your family out to dinner on a Saturday night, but you can't do, you, but you don't because you don't have the money, or maybe you can't do that because the restaurant's not, not open. So the restaurant doesn't get paid. So it's just like this spider web of ongoing impacts. Um, and, you know, you have to be worried about the Italian economy. Seriously, you, you're, you're worried about the Italian economy right now. I mean, you, you might have been worried about, you might have been worried about the Italian economy before this happened, but imagine now. Other news on the 8th, you know, France, banned gatherings of more than a thousand people um saudi arabia closed schools and universities qatar bans passengers from plenty of countries on this day the s&p 500 fell 7.8 percent um we're just using the s&p 500 here guys because the numbers are more accessible um tuesday the 9th of march italy imposed a countrywide quarantine um restricting travel except for necessity work and health circumstances so again you know you're just extending that to the whole country now oil fell something like 30 percent in a day um imagine that i mean i i like seeing that personally i like paying less from the petrol and that's probably what's going to happen um we're starting to double up now this is what happens in an interconnected world things that seem unrelated they suddenly become related you know Oil drops. What's going to be next? This this sort of things happened. The mount the markets actually bounced back up that evening, um, and we're up just over five percent. Um, you, you you saw these massive big swings during the financial crisis as well. It'd be down three percent one day, up four percent the next. It was it was all over the show, and it's what's happening at the moment. Wednesday, the tenth of March, twenty twenty. There are more travel bans around the world, and and schools just shutting down everywhere. I'm not even going to list them. <laughs> You'd be loving it if you're a school kid. I'm just putting myself back to when I was at school. You know, in the back of your mind, you would understand that it's a bad thing, your parents are stressed out, but you'd actually be quite stoked. You'd be secretly stoked that you weren't at school, um, at least initially. The markets fell by nearly 5%. Um, Thursday, the 11th of March, 2020, more school closures, Poland, Denmark. The NBA was cancelled. And this is this is the big one. This is what, you know, this is where it really started kicking off in, in, in a very severe way. The virus has declared a pandemic after cases outside China increased 13-fold over two weeks. I did some little bit of scouting on. There's not actually that many pandemics out there. I think AIDS is still a pandemic, but it doesn't happen very often, so it's, it's quite like a, a big announcement. US President Donald Trump looked very solemn, declaring that all travel from Europe except the United Kingdom into the United States would be suspended for 30 days. Um, India suspends visas for travellers. Israel bans gathering of exceeding 100 people. So all sorts of things happening all over the world. You know, obviously, America banning travel from Europe um, was was the big news. Imagine that, you know, two of the big economic superpowers. You know, it's basically three 
you know, Russia may not like this, but there's basically three, maybe you can include Russia and Europe, there's basically three economic superpowers in the world. There's the United States, there's Europe, and there's China. And imagine just suspending travel between all of them, which is what seems to be happened. Um, stock markets worldwide suffered their greatest single-day fall since the 1987 crash. That is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, I, I guess records are no matter how bad, are made to be broken. Um, all, all this while, hundreds of people are dying per day in Italy. Um, so what we'd... Uh, you know, we we cancelled the memorial services for the Christchurch shootings. You know that that's really unreal when you think about it. Which you know, one year on from what happened is is a day of real significance like that cancelled in New Zealand. So there's a lot happening. Um, it's a developing story, and I have no idea really where it's going next. So what we'll do is we'll take some time to have a look at some individual stocks. So start with Flight Centre. Obviously, they're not a New Zealand listed company. Um, they obviously have operations in New Zealand and other parts of the world. Um, they're a significant company. Do they have like 50 stores in New Zealand or something like that? So they are, even though they're not a New Zealand company, they're a significant company in New Zealand. Um, they trade on the ASX under the ticker code FLT. Um, they're really on the coalface for companies that are, that are going to get impacted by this. And shares in Flight Centre are down something like 60% since the middle of January. So just for full disclosure, my partner works as a manager of Flight Centre and I think they're a good company, which was a view that I didn't really have before she started working there. Um, I had the common, and as, I think it's an ig- ignorant perception um, that they're a melting ice cube, you know, that the internet was basically going to take them over. Um, but as I've actually learned about them and, and taken the time to do the research, I've, I've come to the conclusion that they're actually quite durable. I won't go into the reasons why, but if someone wants to have a chat about it, feel free to reach out. Although it appears they're actually quite vulnerable to a global pandemic that causes travel to cease and borders to shut down. I mean, who would have thought? Anyway, she, she has a lot of annual leave built up and, and they pretty much forced her to take it, um, which indicates to me that they're trying to reduce the employee liabilities on the balance sheet and I imagine they're having to look at a lot of the liabilities on the balance sheet at the moment. So they released an announcement headlined Flight Centre Group Withdrawals Guidance and Outlines Key Strategies to Combat Short-Term Coronavirus Challenges. Interesting point here that they described as short-term. Um, they obviously suspended their guidance. That makes sense. Not that they needed to tell anyone. I mean, it is one of those ones that the share prices dropped so much so fast that people had already figured out that something was going to be up with their guidance. Um, but it makes sense. Their guidance was based on not having a global pandemic that shut down borders and scared everyone from travelling. So they're going to have to re- relook at that. It'll be interesting to see when the new new numbers come out, how much of a impact it does have, have to Flight Centre. So... I'll read directly from the announcement. Total transaction value, or TTV for short. Before I go on, that is a key metric for a travel agent. That is basically the total value of the travel that they book. So the current revenue is the margin that they make from TTV. So when you look at Flight Center's income statement, you're not seeing the TTV, you're actually seeing the, the margin that they make. So total transaction value trends generally in line with expectations in the second half. Trading but virus spread and increased travel restrictions mean demand is softening significantly and time frame for recovery is unclear. So it's a very interesting statement when you break it down. Um, they're basically saying that up until now, despite what you're reading, that we're generally trading in line with expectations, but we are now seeing an impact, which ties in with some of the big announcements last week from the United States and everything like that. So the next point here, and, and here's the response, aiming to protect and grow market share ahead of future rebound while reducing costs. This is a fascinating statement. What they're essentially saying here is, we're going to get through this, 
but we do not expect all our competitors in the travel industry to get through it, or even if, if they do get through it, they're not going to come out in the same shape. So we're going to take advantage of this, advantage of our size, and we're going to pick up some market share. So ahead of future rebound, so they feel they're going to come out of the other end of this strong, stronger with larger market share. So that's an interesting one where you consider the shares drop by 60%. Um, so you, you're probably getting where I'm leading to here in terms of maybe some opportunities that will come up at some point, I'm not saying now, with the stock. So reducing costs, that's the next point. They're closing 100 underperforming shops in Australia. Um, that might be the first of a few short store closures coming, I believe. I don't have any information there just because my partner works, but... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this continues, if they start cutting costs in other areas as well. Um, the next comment I do not entirely agree with, they, they said that they have a solid balance sheet with $1.3 billion in total cash and investments. Now, I agree with the solid balance sheet part. I mean, Flight Centre are going to get through this. They're, they're a strong company financially. I, I do not think that there's any material risk of them going out of business. But if you look at Flight Centre's most recent public accounts, $650 million of that is client cash, so basically money that they've received in advance of float. And so it's, it's not quite the same of saying we have $1.3 billion in total cash. It, it, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but that, that's just my view. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something for free. If this continues, you know, look at, look at Flight Centre and other companies on a normalised basis. They are quite currently quite cheap on a normalised basis, but they're not cheap in the same way that, like, say the cruise lines are cheap on a normalised basis. Um, you know, I think Royal Caribbean is trading at something like three and a half times historical earnings, which is... You know, very cheap. Obviously, Flight Centre maybe shouldn't be that cheap yet because they don't have the same sort of heavy fixed costs and extra capacity that the cruise lines have. But they, they're they cheap, but they're not amazingly cheap. That's my opinion. I think when they were at $70 a share a little while ago, they were way too expensive, but they're not amazingly cheap right now. But they certainly are cheap. But if this continues on, Flight Centre shares could become very cheap. And I think if you balance that with the view that they're probably going to grab some market share during this time it could present if they get really cheap and they got really cheap in 2008 saying like three dollars a share or 2009 whenever it was it'll present a staggering opportunity so that's something to look out for for the next company that is really on the coal face, we'll go to Auckland Airport. Again, no surprises here is the relationship between this company and what's happening with the coronavirus. So this is a company that actually went into a trading halt the other day. In general, I hate trading halts, by the way. I think they're overused in New Zealand and Australia, but that's just my view. So the company has revised its earnings for the year and is now expecting to between 210 and 230 million. You're like, oh, that's not too bad. They're still making money, but that is compared to an operating income of $450 million last year. And in the first half of the year, they had operating income of 220 million. So I take that to mean they're not making any money at the moment. So they've called this a major disruption, um, similar, similar to Flight Center. They sort of said it, it wasn't too bad until very recently. Um, and they've said we've seen an immediate impact on business travel, which makes sense. Basically, everyone traveling for work, the, the employees have gone will postpone this, you can Skype or you can work from home or whatever it might be. And we're now anticipating a rapid downturn in leisure travel in the coming months as as cancellations flow through and demand for bookings continues to soften. Just think about the wider implications of that on the economy, folks. So in January 2020, total passenger numbers were down 3.4% on January 2019. That doesn't seem too bad, but then you read on. In February 2020, total passenger numbers deteriorated further, falling 8.6% on 2019. And you're like, oh, now this is getting serious, but then you read on. And there goes, initial 
data for international passengers for the first 10 days of March has shown an 18% decline on the previous March. 18%, that's huge, um, and it seems to be <laughs> accelerating. So you'd have to imagine that you know March is going to fall off a cliff. It'd be interesting to see what happens next. I'm just reading now that New Zealand has said that it's that if you're coming in to New Zealand, you have to self-isolate. Um, I think this is quite a smart policy from political from a political experience. It's not closing the border, but it still looks strong and decisive. It's like if you come to New Zealand, you have to do this. But let's face it, most people won't actually do it, um, and there's no no way of patrolling it. So. But it will mean that less people will come here and, and some people will do it. So especially if you came and, and you're sick, then you're probably going to do it. So it will mean a slowing of the spread if there, if, if there is one in New Zealand because you know, some people aren't going to come because it looks burdensome to self, self-isolate. Other people just uh, are going to come and not really do it because there's no way of patrolling it. But And some people will. So it, 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 I think it's, it's quite an effective announcement. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. So moving on to the final company that I'll speak about, and I spoke about them last week in New Zealand. Again, they're right on the on the coalface here. They have withdrawn their earnings guidance. Um, I found this to be an interesting statement. We've been continuously monitoring bookings in recent days, and we've seen a further decline, which coincides with media coverage, which is, you know, a lot of this has been driven by the media. Um, no matter how serious the health implications are, you know, you're not going to... No one's going to know about it if no one reports on it. Um, Air New Zealand has reduced capacity to Asia by 26%. Uh, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to the next financial statements coming out for Air New Zealand. It's, it's probably going to be a bloodbath. The CEO has reduced its pay by 15%. He didn't go far as the chat from Qantas, who I, I think just cut his whole pay. Um, but before you feel too sorry for him, just remember that Greg Foran, even after this reduction, will still take home, if he's paid monthly, I assume he is, 116k. Um, per month, so I think the CEO of Air New Zealand will be okay. Um, don't shed too many tears for him. Um, expect more announcements from Air New Zealand, as as well as these other companies that we've spoken about today, and other companies as well, to come as this unfolds. So that's about all I have time for, guys. As I said at the start of the show, I think this is unprecedented. The economic actions and the response to this virus are unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. So everyone says that the outcome of this is uncertain and blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you, if this shutdown continues for any period of time, then the outcome, it's not certain, it's guaranteed there'll be a recession. Um, but also, on the other side of that, it's also guaranteed that there'll be a pop in the economy as well as, as everyone starts up again. So on, on that cheery note, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it for this week and see you next week. Stay safe.